Can Do MS podcast. We are bringing to you episode 38 entitled Navigating the Complexities of Health Literacy and MS. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsors Biogen, Genentech, and Novartis Pharmaceuticals. Today we're featuring psychologist Raz Kalb, neurologist Liliana Amescua, and Sean Feliciano. We'll discuss how ethnicity and health literacy has shaped Sean's MS journey and what self-advocacy tools she employs to live her best life. We'll also hear from Liliana about what makes MS in the Hispanic and Latino communities unique and the research being conducted to better understand MS in this space. Thanks for tuning in. Please welcome Raz, Liliana, and Sean. Hello, everyone. I'm Roz Call, the clinical psychologist with Candu MS, and I'm very, very excited to be here today with two wonderful people to share their perspectives. And so I'm going to first ask Dr. Liliana Amesqua to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Liliana Amesqua. I'm an associate professor of neurology at the University of Southern California, and I'm very excited to be here today uh, to talk about multiple sclerosis in the Hispanic Latino community. Wonderful. Thank you. And Sean Feliciano. Good morning, everybody. I am a person living with MS. I've had relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis since 2009. I currently live in Arizona, and I'm very excited to be here as well. Again, thank you both. So I'm going to go back to Dr. Amesco right now and ask you um, what the research tells us about MS in the Hispanic Latino community. Well, thank you very much for asking that. And, uh, you know, I do want to first say that what we know about this population is probably less than 1% of what we know of multiple sclerosis. Nevertheless, there are very interesting, you know, uh, findings or uh, information that we're learning, uh, not just about this population and community, but about multiple sclerosis itself. So, one of the things that um, that we understand historically is that this population uh, is usually at a lower risk of getting multiple sclerosis. This comes from, you know, the data from all over Latin America, where it shows that overall the prevalence, meaning how many people are affected with multiple sclerosis is considered low. Um, however, you know, there was uh, two studies in the United States recently um, that came from two big um, managed care settings and uh, and our findings certainly that the incidence rate, so meaning the number of new cases of MS uh, is rising, for example, in African-Americans. Uh, but the Latino community or population uh, still continues to be at a 50 percent you know, lower risk of, uh, of getting MS. Nevertheless, when you look at those rates and you compare them to what has been published in Latin America, they're much higher. And so, so that's sort of telling us it's like, well, we have Latino Hispanics here in the U.S. that soon will become part of the majority. Uh, and we're seeing a lot more cases, not yet as many as what we see in whites and African-Americans, but the rates are climbing. And so we're likely to see more MS in this community. Um, one of our earlier studies, and um, this came because we wanted to better understand how does disease affect them when nothing has been published. Uh, and so we wanted to compare them to, um, to whites of, of European background, which is classically, you know, the, the common population affected with MS. And, and what we found were two very important um, differences. 
One is that when they do get MS, they are at a younger age compared to um, to white individuals. And this lower age of onset appears to be also driven by place of birth. So those that are born in the United States are actually even younger when they do get MS. So, so those, you know, certainly are speaking to likely environmental factors uh, and genetics, because we know genetics are important in MS that are driving sort of the age of onset. So, um, so yes, the Latino community may not get as, you know, as much MS as other populations, but when they do, they're younger. And so that's certainly something to consider as we're looking at disease progression and when they get, you know, if they do get ambulatory problems, they're likely to be at a younger age. The other um, factor that we observed and, um, you know, when comparing this population to white individuals is that it appears that the most common presentation uh, involves the optic nerve. So it's known as optic neuritis. And so, um, so this is very different to, for example, African-Americans are, uh, are more likely to present with spinal cord syndromes um, and, um, and white individuals more likely are likely to present with sensory problems. So, so again, just, you know, this happens to be their most common presentation. And the fact that they're a younger age and coming in with visual problems is telling us that it's likely a, a, a true um, presentation or, or, or the issue of the age of onset, that it is a, young, a younger age of onset. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, other studies, uh, which is certainly of concern, and we want to make sure that this population knows what MS is and knows the importance of treatment because we do see a faster rate of progression. So again, not only are they are younger and they have the you know propensity to get um, you know uh, more progression at a at a faster rate, so at a shorter time. And so so we really want to make sure that we have resources for this population with multiple sclerosis. Well, thank you. And it's so interesting to think about this one disease presenting so differently and at such different lifetime points in different populations. So thank you. Um, so, Sean, um, health literacy is a hot topic these days, um, but many people don't know what that term means. So what did it mean to you as you looked for a healthcare team that met your needs as a Hispanic woman? That's a, a really great question. And I think a little bit ironic because I think I fit into that population at the time that didn't really know what health literacy meant. And I think it was just in talking with my, um, my neurologist um, several times and really asking a lot of questions because here we are, for me especially, I have this disease that I know nothing about. I, there are all these medications out there that are um, varied. And so we're, I'm, I'm supposed to make a decision, but if I don't know what the disease is all about, then I'm certainly not going to know what 
disease modifying medication might be good for me. So I was in that category with, um, with definitely with just being really naive. Uh, also, I had a lot of other questions as far as being a Latina with MS and all of the different cognitive testing. So there was a lot of um, uncertainty as far as what what is this disease? What are the medications? And what is this testing about? How is that? How is the testing going to affect me, who is bilingual, trilingual, actually? And is there a difference between uh, how that testing affects me and how it might affect somebody who's who's white? So there's definitely a lot of um, illiteracy out there as far as um, being a person who who has MS, who has just been diagnosed. And I, I appreciate your bringing up the issue of cultural sensitivity of testing that is used. Um, and that is something we want people to bring up with their healthcare providers, whether they're having mood testing or cognitive testing or any other kind of testing. It's just a really important issue. So, Dr. Mesqua, you're a provider for many Hispanic, Latino MS patients. So, why is health literacy so important to you as a provider? Well, I mean, it's it definitely is very important for, uh, and it should be for every provider. I mean, we know historically from multiple different diseases that low health literacy is consistently associated with poor health outcomes. Um, and this includes, you know, sort of uh, having, uh, you know, leading to a poor health status, increased mortality, poor, you know, compliance and adherence with medications. Um, also has been associated with, you know, sort of increased utilization of services, for example, you know, more visits to the ER. And we know, I mean, what is MS? MS is a complex disease, right? Not even, you know, regular physicians have a trouble, uh, you know, uh, defining it. So it does require a higher understanding of medicine because, again, diagnosis is complex, our medications are complex, and they don't necessarily going to make you feel better. And so those are, you know, definitely, uh, you know, issues that we need to tackle uh, to provide better, you know, sort of better health literacy. Um, so, you know, in order to achieve it, of course, you know, that patient needs to be able to read, write, comprehend, have access to really, you know, sort of a effective, you know, material resources, either on the web, uh, written, or, for example, a podcast like this. And, uh, and they also have to have some, uh, you know, develop uh, what is their interaction like, what it should, what it should be, right, with their healthcare professionals. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't have that, then the potential of, you know, of having lower literacy, uh, health literacy, and having poor outcome is higher. Um, so it's tremendously important um, for, for me. And, uh, and certainly what we try to do is, is you know, with every patient, um, but certainly with the Latino community, you know, it's important to be culturally sensitive uh, because, um, you know, one is this is a disease that, like we said, probably less resources for this population. Uh, for some, it's important to have it in Spanish, um, you know, or have it as bilingual because 
they may be, the patient itself may be more um, inclined to read it in English, but their family members want to have it in Spanish. And, uh, and certainly certain cultural practices uh, for this population is that the family may be very involved in dose decision making. So, so you add a little complexity there where the health literacy needs to be present for the patient, but probably also for those that are surrounding them and making those decisions. Um, in many cases, I, I find sometimes, you know, the patient went ahead and did exactly what that family member told them to. Um, and certainly if there was, you know, poor health literacy, then you see the effects of that. So, Dr. Amesco, let's just get really specific since we're talking about health literacy. Um, what is your message, um, your, your flashing light to your patients about the COVID vaccine? One, it's safe. Um, so if you have not gotten vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Uh, two, if you are an immunosuppressed uh, uh, medications to treat your multiple sclerosis, you are now should be getting your booster. And so these are really important. Uh, the benefits outweigh the risk. Uh, so please get vaccinated. Thank you for that. So as a psychologist, I focus a lot on how people manage invisible symptoms, which are so common in MS, um, like pain, fatigue, mood and cognitive challenges. Um, so I'm going to get to Sean in a minute and ask her how she has talked about these symptoms with others. But I'm curious, Dr. Mesco, how you raise these conversations with your patients. Do you approach the mood and cognitive symptoms of pain differently with your Hispanic Latino patients than you do with other patients, or is it the same? It's a very interesting, you know, uh, concept. One is, you know, we we definitely know, and 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 this is, you know, I guess the most common sort of invisible symptom is pain, right? And there's a lot of studies sort of, you know, talking about the relationship of pain and ethnicity. And, and that's because, you know, these, you know, experiences or how you experience it, as I understand it, is, is based on, right, those experiences. There's some historical connotations, learning, how we learn, how we, you know, respond to it. And so it has a strong cultural um, background to it. And so it is it's going to influence, you know, what, how we um, go about it, how we uh, perceive it and our emotions. And so, so certainly, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, and this has been certainly now having, you know, been around this population for many, many years is that, you know, it's really important to listen and try to connect some of the different words they're trying to use to express a symptom. So for example, you know, I, you know, learned about how they describe, you know, sort of uh, a fatigue, you know, so in Spanish or just the way that there is fatigue is almost being described as depression, but then sometimes depression is being described as being tired. It's like, oh, the fatigue they're describing or the body aches all over is actually depression. So, Sean, invisible symptoms like pain or fatigue or mood and cognitive issues, um, have you had challenges uh, communicating with your uh, healthcare team or your loved ones about any of those invisible symptoms? 
I think I've had more challenges, uh, not so much with my healthcare provider, but probably family-wise. I, I think this is something that resonates in, within others with MS and the MS community. And that's it has something to do with our past lives, so what we did in our past lives. And so others, um, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of the stages of, of grief because part of it is denial. And so it's not only us as uh, people or persons living with MS, but it's also our family members who know that person before the MS. So they have this concept, this, this romantic concept of this person who still exists, but is not the same. And so for me, it was more of when, I, when I'm tired, uh, it just ex- having to explain to somebody why I'm tired because they've never seen that side of me. And because I don't always act like I'm tired, it's even that much harder for them to really cope with those invisible symptoms and know that, yes, I'm still Sean, but I'm really not the same person. Um, but I, I've I've not I, I've not had the problems with health healthcare providers. I'm very relieved to hear that. We don't always hear that, so that that's good news. So, Doctor Masqua, if you had one nugget, one key message that you wanted listeners to take away from today's fabulous conversation, what would that message be? Well, um, to know that uh, you having MS, you are not alone. Uh, we are here for you. We are trying to better understand how MS affects you and doing our best uh, to be able to provide you the resources to live your best life. Uh, and because we are in the pandemic, if you have not gotten vaccinated, please go get vaccinated. Please go answer your, um, your fears and concerns with your provider. Thank you. And Sean, how about you? What's the most important message you want people to get? I think for me, it's it's the fact that you ha- one has to ask questions. We have to uh, we we have to be able to be strong enough to do so because if we don't, we're not we're not advocating for ourselves or for anybody else, and we're certainly not helping. Uh, we're not helping ourselves. We're not helping others. We're not helping our healthcare providers, and we're not advocating for change. And the only way that we're going to do that is is by really taking that that um, leap of faith a lot of times and uh, being a little bit transparent, um, a little bit vulnerable. Thank you both so much for sharing your wisdom uh, and your good advice and just your personal experiences with everybody. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for having us. so much Ross, Liliana, and Sean for sharing your perspectives with us. And to our sponsors, Biogen, Genentech, and Novartis Pharmaceuticals. Ethnicity and health literacy can be difficult conversations to start, so we really appreciate your openness. Big thanks to Ross for facilitating such a thoughtful discussion. Finally, our biggest thank you goes out to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Can Do MS podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can also follow us on Instagram at CanDoMultipleSclerosis. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again soon.